So, amen. I am Chris, Chris Draley. I'm the children's pastor here, and I've got the privilege of sharing with you this morning. So it's it's um, exciting, and I'd actually planned to preach this message a few weeks ago, um, but we ended up, we were on holidays in Wangaratta, and my daughter fell ill with... Um, some stomach issues and wasn't able to hold any food down, things like that. So we ended up in hospital up there. So we got to um, experience that and praise God, you know, she's fine. And she came out of hospital and they looked after her very well, but it meant that I wasn't able to be here. So you could say this message has been really brewing in my heart and I'm really excited to share it. So before I do, I'm just going to pray if that's all right. So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day the day that you've made and I'm just praying the Holy Spirit you would you would come and that you would reveal to your people exactly what you want them to hear today Lord so I just thank you Father for um, for what you're going to do in Jesus name amen. amen so my message today is about speaking life and I'll share as we go a little bit um, of how um, Kylie, my wife, and I came to really adopt this as something in our life. It's something we learnt through a parenting course. And um, it's obviously very relevant if we think about the Bible. So we'll be looking at some of those things today. But I don't know about you, have you ever said anything that you wish you hadn't said? Okay, I, I've had moments where I've seen a baby and I've gone up and I'm like, oh, you got a beautiful baby boy. And the parents correct you and say, oh, it's, it's a girl. <laughs> you know, okay, not, not a big deal. That can be forgiven. Um, I don't know if you've ever got a sense that someone's expecting a baby and gone up to them and said, oh, you're pregnant. How exciting. Um, no, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> um, you know, those are a few examples of how sometimes our words just kind of come out before we get a chance to really check, right? <laughs> and... Yeah, it's hard to control the tongue. It tells us in James chapter 3, verse 7 to 10, it says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. But how true. I'm sure we've all experienced time in our lives where, as I said before, we've said something that we shouldn't have said. But what I want you to understand today is that not just the words we say, but the words that other people say are not meaningless and they're not without effect. And today, my prayer is that we can um, be reminded of that and that we can take back a little bit of that control of our tongues to be people that will speak life and speak blessing because it does have an impact. So today... Um, I'm going to preach out of Numbers, chapter 13. And you might be familiar with the, this passage. We'll spend most of our time here this morning. It's um, the story of the 12 spies or the 12 scouts 
that um, go out and they have a look at this promised land that Jesus, uh, sorry, that God had promised the Israelites. And they come back and they give their report about what the land is like. So just to kind of backtrack a little bit, uh, you might have heard when God miraculously released the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. So Moses was their leader and he'd taken them out of Egypt on this amazing journey with like miracle after miracle to get them out of Egypt. And then miracles along the way and there were seas parted um, they had like tents. They made camp really on their journey to this land that God had promised them. And they were led by a cloud during the day and a fire by night. And they'd receive food that just came on the ground every morning. They called it manna. So God had really shown himself as their provider. Yeah, He'd shown that I'm going to make a way for you and I'm going to take you to this land. And a number of years had passed, so it wasn't like it was the next day. Um, but they were getting close to entering the promised land. And the Lord, as I mentioned before, had instructed them to send 12 men out to go scout the land to find out what it was like. And they sent one leader from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we'll pick up the story there from verse 25. Numbers 13, verse 25. So after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It is indeed a, a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit that it produces. So it tells us earlier in the package they brought back a, um, some grapes, which they needed two men to carry between a pole because it was just so, you know, amazingly um, a fruit. It was heavy and large. So their report continues, verse 28. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So it was a little bit like that, um, you know, we call it in in teaching because I was a teacher, um, a compliment sandwich kind of thing. It's like we'll give you the good news first and then we'll give you the bad news and that's kind of what they did. They, they were very matter of fact first, you know, the land is really good but, you know, here are some of the issues with um, where we're heading. And it's really interesting because Caleb interjects in that moment, and I think he sees where it's going. It says in verse 30, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we. Verse 32, they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Listen to what they said. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And then chapter 14, we read, 
The whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Wow. Isn't it incredible to see how we go from bountiful, amazing fruit, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a bit of bad news, we're all going to die, this is the worst thing ever, we can't actually do this. (laughs) And, you know, what I think might have happened here, the Bible talks about the tongue, what comes out of the mouth, The scouts were not necessarily speaking life in that situation. They actually ended up speaking death and destruction. And it had an impact on the people and on the generation that they were leading. So today my first point is this, to speak life, not death. In Proverbs 18 verse 21 it says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. We read earlier in James 7, verse 10, that blessings and curses pour out of the same mouth. And what I want to kind of highlight here is that our words have weight. They have an impact. And have you ever talked to somebody and they preface their conversation with you or, you know, no offence, but, and then they go off and they just say what's on their mind, okay? might I suggest that that you don't have to accept what is said to you if people are going to preface it with that because they may not be thinking about the impact of their words and they may not be speaking life. So, the scouts report to Moses was pretty matter of fact. But when they shared their report with the wider community, they added drama, death, defeat, and the gossip spread. See, our words have weight. Words of death on the surface can look reasonable. They can look wise. They can look true. However, here lies the problem that in this situation, the words did not line up with God's promise. He told them, I'm leading you to this to this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And what happened was the scouts, they almost disagreed with what God was saying. They're like, no, Lord, because what we're seeing with our eyes is telling us something different. So I love Caleb's heart. Caleb's heart was, he held that, the Bible says he had a different spirit and he was in there defending all the way. No, we can do this. He was speaking life. So I mentioned earlier that Kylie and I did a parenting course that talked about um, speaking life over your children. And we were introduced to the course when our oldest daughter was about 18 months old. And I can tell you it had a massive impact on Kylie and I. Kylie and I are both teachers and most of you in here have been at school and you would have had those teachers that you loved, maybe, if you're lucky. You would have all had the teacher that you didn't really like. But as a teacher, you learn very quickly how to use your words to kind of control a group. 
And our default for Kylie and I was we're just going to control with our words. And unfortunately, we got into the habit, well, I did particularly, of kind of nitpicking and and saying no and don't. I had a student come up to me one year and I said, oh, you know, I taught them a few years prior. They said, oh, I said, I'm the best teacher you've ever had, right? And they said, no. <laughs> I said, why? They said, you, you said no a lot. You said don't a lot. And it was really interesting because um, when we did the parenting course, I started to make these connections about the way that I was speaking. And I realised that in a lot of ways, I wasn't actually speaking life into the children. See, the rationale behind this um, speaking life principle in the parenting course is about speaking out what you want a child to do or what you want to see from them rather than telling them what not to do. And they talk about the virtue and the vice. And the virtue being that which is honourable, good and true, and the vice is that which is like immoral and wrong. So can I give you a practical example? Um, your child is just screaming, because I had an 18-month-old at the time, for some food, you know, cracking a wobbly. And you could really tell them, hey, stop being rude, or just, you know, stop that, stop being naughty, okay? Or it's a very simple idea. Just say to them, hey, can you be patient? Be patient. Daddy's coming. Be patient. And you can see that there, very simply, you're highlighting the virtue and you're speaking life over your child and you're telling them what to do. You know, another one that we've encountered over the years is sibling rivalry. And I've got four children and I was saying to someone this morning, there are days when we, Kylie and I just feel, we, we are totally outnumbered, right? <laughs> we all have those days. And the children can sometimes be nasty to each other. And it's very easy to say, oh, that was, this I did as a teacher all the time. That is so nasty. How could you be so horrible to another person? That is so disrespectful. And just went on these death words, speaking them over children, belittling them, when really we have an opportunity to speak life and we can say, hey, I want you to be kind to your sister. I want you to use kind words in these situations. So I can tell you this principle was powerful. For Kylie and I, we saw a massive change in our home and we were pretty keen to get it happening. So we were keeping each other accountable as well and listening to one another and trying to think before we speak and and rephrase things and really tame the tongue. But what I didn't expect is there was an impact in my teaching and the relationship I had with children changed because any time I had to correct a child, I thought, you know what, I'm going to speak life into this situation um, and it made a huge difference. So I, I really wanted to stop and share that with you uh, because, you know, there's testimony in my life. We've seen the difference. And I think that that um, our church, you know, I want to be a church that speaks life, that speaks hope, that speaks goodness over things. And, you know, we're not going to get everything right all of the time. And sometimes, yeah, we, we can be honest and say, you know, that was horrible, that was terrible. But let's think, let's speak life in, into every situation over our families, over our friends, over our spouse, over our children, and over our church. See, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're redeemed 
You're called with a plan and a purpose for your life. You're dearly loved. You're blessed. You're free. And there's the enemy that wants to come and tell us all those opposite things. And often we battle, don't we? We battle with those words about our identity that tell us that um, you know, we're no good or we'll never amount to anything. And sometimes these words can be spoken by people in our lives and they have a big impact. So you speak out of what is in your heart. Luke 6.45, it says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And we learn in Deuteronomy, another place in the Bible about these 12 scouts, what was in their heart. It says in Deuteronomy 1.26, but you, it's talking about the Israelites, were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and you said, the Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities at large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. So we learn what was in their hearts. There was unwillingness in their hearts. There was grumbling in their tents. There was rebellion. They lied and said that God hated them. This is what they believed. They believed these lies. And then they blamed one another. Blame and accusation came in. See, I wonder what the tone is like in your tent, in your home, in your world. And if you think about that for a moment, it's really hard sometimes to speak life when our hearts are not right because we know things overflow, right, out of our hearts. Can I encourage you today that God cares deeply about our hearts and the message of the gospel is one where God is transforming our hearts and it's not a one-time thing. Yes, our hearts get transformed as we're saved, but he continues this work in us. 1 Corinthians 3.18 reminds us of Christ's transforming work. It says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image so i want to encourage you if you find that your words aren't lining up with god's plan if you find that you're constantly spilling out death words ask god for his help he will help you don't stop going back to him you may need to repent of certain things and areas it's an ongoing practice in our lives that we need to continue to do so if your words aren't coming out right check your heart Check your heart. Because, Lord, we want to grow closer to you every day. And this is really where I want to land this morning. I might get the keyboard up. I want to talk to you about words that wound. Because the Israelites were literally stuck in the wilderness from the report of 10 
it impacted an entire generation. The Lord said, for every year that, sorry, for every day that you scouted, which I think was 40 days, it was, you're going to spend a year in the wilderness. In fact, the generation of the scouts, God said, you're not going to see the promised land. Your children are going to pay for your faithlessness. They're going to have to wait until you all die before they see the promise. And what happens is death words can steal, they can destroy, they can delay your destiny. And this is what we see here with the Israelites. See, words can have an impact where it's like we, we can become stuck. We can become in a place where we're unable just to take hold of all that God has for us. There's like a blockage sometimes. We can't move forward. And, you know, negative words can bounce right off us. You know, sometimes someone will say something, we're, we're firm in our identity, bounces off. I just reject that. That doesn't have any impact. But words can also hurt. And sometimes someone will say something to us. So maybe someone in a position of influence over our life. It might be someone older than us, a parent, a teacher, a friend. And we start to think, hey, maybe they're right. Maybe I will never amount to anything. Maybe I am ugly. Maybe I can't ever... You know, be good at this because someone told me you're hopeless at that. You know, I remember at high school, I was playing in a mixed netball team. It's a very manly sport. <laughs> but, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm actually speaking out of a wound right now because <laughs> one of the other players called me a pansy. Isn't that awful? I can laugh about it now, but I can tell you those words hurt. <laughs> and they hurt so much so that I went up to the teacher. I was in high school and I said, look, I'm out of the team. I don't want to do this anymore, you know. So my potential career in mixed netballs fell by the wayside. <laughs> you know, this is a, I'm telling this is a little bit of a joke and really there'll be more serious examples, you know that you've been through, but maybe you were criticised by a parent, a sibling, a friend, you were belittled, made fun of, and the wound is stuck with you and it's still there. And my prayer now, Holy Spirit, if there's anything there that you want dealt with today, would you just bring it to mind? Bring it into our minds and hearts. Because my prayer today is that you will be released from that word that might have been spoken or words. And that Holy Spirit will reveal to you what He actually says about you and that you'll come out of agreement with what's been spoken on the flip side i had um, a beautiful woman who was an older lady in a church that i grew up in and she referred to me every time she saw me and i've shared this before with some of you mighty man of god she would just say how are you mighty man of god you know, I cringed at times when she said it, but after she kept repeating it, it became like just the way she greeted me. And I, I realised, hang on a minute, she's speaking life over me. I didn't feel like a mighty man of God. I was a teenager. I'd been called a pansy at school. 
had lots of other things going on. And she spoke life over me. And the only relationship I had with her that she, that she just happened to attend the same church as me. And I thought, I wanted to share that because I want to encourage you that when God prompts you or you see something good in somebody, say it. Because the spoken word is power and you don't know the impact that those words are going to have. And sometimes we get a sense, something good. We see something in somebody. Say it. Say it. Because it has an impact and it makes a difference. See, I actually don't know if I'd be standing here today if this person hadn't spoken those words over me because it spoke into who I was as God's child, that I was mighty and victorious, even though there were struggles in life, but there was hope there. It spoke to my identity in Christ. It countered the negative death words that I had believed and taken on. So I would like to pray right now. And we'll have a time as well at the end of the service if you want to come forward and receive more, more ministry f- from the team. You know, we, we'll welcome you. But um, just would you agree with me? I'm going to say as if I'm praying the prayer, but you can re- say it as well. And whisper it out. You know, there's power in speaking these out. But what, what I want to do is if there's a particular word or phrase or, you know, lie that's come into your mind and heart about who you are I just want you to pray through that and and we just break it off and reject it and sometimes too what we need to do is we we actually need to forgive the person that said the word because that can be a blockage and we need to break the agreement that we may have made with what was said okay because that's not who you are so is every eye closed if you're comfortable to close your eyes we'll start with their forgiveness Lord I just forgive that person whoever it is you can name them who had spoken those words over me whatever it is and Father I am sorry that I've agreed with those words See, sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. I forgive myself and I accept your forgiveness. And I ask that you would set me free from the effects of these words on my life. And I ask that you would restore back to me anything that was lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you know, you might have a very long list or you might become aware of things as as the week goes or as the day continues. But I encourage you, just bring them before the Lord. Bring them before the Lord because God's desire for you is to be free, completely free. Because words can be life-giving or they can speak death, uh, we need to break those death words over us. Amen? Amen. And just... A final group of people here I want to speak to. And and you might not know this God or this Jesus that we talk about. But you may be thinking or sensing or feel a drawing of, of 
who is this God? I want to know Him. I want to experience some of this freedom that you're talking about. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, Jesus died so that we could have life. And the Bible says an abundant life. So can I have every eye in the room closed? If you would like to accept Jesus today to become your Lord and Saviour, to take away, to wash away the sin, the, the wrong things, the hurtful things in your life, and if you want to begin a relationship with Him, why don't you lift your hand in this place? And I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than lift your hand and then lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to save me from my sin. I accept your forgiveness. And today, I begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen.